This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Glad you're with us for Hot Mike on this Monday edition. Hutton and Withrow here at 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Bobby Carpenter talks college football with us in about 20 minutes. The topic is more conference realignment, where we're headed with all this, and what the Pac-12 is going to end up doing. Chad, there is a, a bit of news in regards to the, the TV agreement, the numbers, uh, you know, monetarily what can be expected for certain programs that are trying to stick around and band together and somehow resurface as a viable product uh, because George Klavikov is set to present uh, the media deal that he's negotiated to the president and chancellors. What, tomorrow? Is that the report? Stuart Mandel reporting that uh, originally within the next 48 hours, George Klavikov would meet with Pac-12 schools and finally present that media rights deal that he's been negotiating for a long time now. And then he came back later and said, there is a meeting scheduled tomorrow with the board, with the presidents of the schools, with ADs. So assumption is we will have news tomorrow morning on what that media deal looks like. Our guy Jim Williams has been all over it. I'm assuming he's going to have details on it pretty quickly either before or after that's presented. Yeah, and this is something that everyone's been asking for. Like, hey, you, you said that these numbers are going to be on par. It was last month. Aren't going to be on par with what the Big 12 and the ACC is currently receiving in their grant of rights. And then no numbers. You know, like, okay, show us. Uh, that's coming from also Jim Williams, who's got sources and all the, uh, the different uh, conference members there. Who knows? And, and so I sent you guys the uh... – Someone, I think Jim Weber was the guy who tweeted out, but the funny video of the movie Jerry Maguire, yeah. where it's Jerry and Bob Sugar calling the same clients, trying to get them to stay on board, and it would have the Pac-12 logo over uh, Jerry, and then the Big 12 logo over Bob Sugar when everything was going well for him, and it would have, yeah. have like Arizona on the phone, you know, talking to one, then talking to the other. Very, very well done, and perfectly sums up the battle right now between the two conferences. Imagine Klavikov now presenting this because what has been discussed versus what he is now going to present as what they have. And it's got, it, it's got to be financially viable for them or it's on him after what he's proposed. Well, the report was out that it's going to be close yeah. to big 12 and ACC then, that it's going to approach but, that. But, but now Jim what Williams, does that look like after losing Colorado? Yeah. And then, well, and then Jim Williams uh, reported last week that he's talked to two other programs Two other universities that say, "Okay, you say it's on par. Show us the, show us the money." Going back to Jerry Maguire, yeah, and they, they haven't seen anything on paper that indicates that they're headed in the right direction. And finally, they just got fed up. Colorado, they're bolting, and the reports were that we could see others do that too, because they've been promised to see all this by a certain time, and it's always kick the can down the road. That can't be what happens tomorrow. It's got to be presented and presented well, otherwise. I mean, and also, like, you have to have a plan for, okay, you, reports are out about all of these different programs, mainly Mountain West, but some others, that are applying for 
uh, Pac-12 affiliation to, to join them and align with the Pac-12. You also have to have a plan for that laid out whenever you do this. Because as far as this is concerned, like this, this affects the media rights agreement. It would have to. So I'm eager to hear everything that yeah, comes up. We'll, if it's we'll, bad, we'll hear about it too. We'll have plenty to react to tomorrow afternoon it. because this is going to be important moving forward about if there's going to be any more movement. If it's a good deal right. for the Pac-12, you can probably put everything to bed and Arizona can stay put and everyone else and they can start to add others that they want. And if it's really bad, we're going to start hearing about other schools flirting with Big Ten, ACC, Big 12, other conferences. Here's what Pat McAfee said on his show today in, okay. in response to the Nasser tweet. He didn't really apologize at all. I, I, I appreciate and applaud his response to this. He said, quote, it got loud on the internet yesterday. There is an all-out onslaught against me right now for simply linking one terrible thing from a school with the most terrible thing from the school. Talking bleep to a friend. I do apologize if some people took that in a mm. different way and then spun it in their own narrative to offend a bunch of other people, but I was simply talking bleep to my friend. So the response is his buddy, who's a Michigan State guy, right. he's saying that to him on Twitter. And, I and like, that's how I took it, too. I like how he said but, that taking one, linking one terrible thing from a school to the most terrible thing from the school is how he made the yeah, joke. It, it, but it, it, you brought this to whenever we discussed him going to ESPN and him taking that money, the $10 million annually. Yeah, uh, and it, he said, people keep saying you need to delete this and apologize. I'm like, uh, why? I'm talking bleep to my friend about something that definitely happened at his school. Right. Well, that, that, <laughs> why, would I, why would I delete that? Yeah, it's trash talk. But it's, it's also yeah. apologizing for those, if, if I offended you, right? Like, normally that doesn't happen at ESPN. You have to apologize uh, you're not offended for those that were offended by your comments. You apologize uh, profusely. And usually there's some admission you were wrong. Yeah, I was wrong to do that. I'm I wish I didn't I, do it. He didn't say any of that. No. He also went on to say, we need to tell people that there's disgusting, horrible people in powerful positions. This isn't something that's just like, hey, we can't talk about this. So I'm going to make my joke talking trash back to my friend about his school. So that's all fair. Chad, Aaron Rodgers has endeared himself to the Jets locker room. In further detail, in an interview with with Peter King, we're going to get to in a moment. Uh, we have seen uh, Nathaniel Hackett join as the offensive coordinator with Robert Sala, and there are those that are backing Hackett. And Sean Payton, meanwhile, has endeared himself to the Broncos' locker room, based on comments that were made that stated the obvious that Nathaniel Hackett was a horrible head coach, and it was the worst. And if it wasn't at the very top, it was among the worst coaching jobs we've seen among head coaches in the National Football League. The back and forth continued this weekend where Rodgers is saying, hey, you keep my coordinator's name out of your mouth uh, and, and went hard after Peyton. Sean Payton, chance to reply, asked about that today after Broncos practice, and he said, we're past that. That was his answer. Uh, we're past that. So it seems like he's trying to end it there. But yet again, he's not backtracking he's not trying to walk back any comments he made because every you know everyone knows he's right uh and rogers also knows that he's in a spot right now that he didn't have in green bay he's got the power he has input on everything and he's got the coordinator where he won a lot of games with and he won mvps with based on the structure that was in play in green bay that he now brought with him even though the hire was made prior to rogers coming out of the darkness retreat brought with him because it was a part of the pitch to get him there and he's all in, including with the, the 
pay cut that he took. Yeah, we, we're past that. I don't know if we're past that. We're, we're not the, past the it, but that's, will continue. that's his way of saying, you guys are expecting me to return serve on this one, and we're going to volley back and forth, and I'm not going to do that. You know and the, getting to a pissing contest with Aaron Rodgers or Nathaniel Hackett or anyone else. You know, you know why we're not past that? Because this is going to be on hard knocks. Well, you're right. Is that this week? It's got to premiere this week, right? I think Wednesday? it's next week. I think it's next week. I feel like it could, could be this week. I'll, I'll double-check to see when the premiere is. But it's usually like Wednesday night. I feel like it's when they air on, on HBO. Um, we'll double-check and see that. But this is his effort to say, I said what I said. A lot of people agreed. Some didn't that are close to him. Aaron Rodgers is a close friend of Nathaniel August 8th, Hackett. So it's a week from Tuesday. Okay, so yeah, next week. Tuesdays. It's good to know. I will be watching, like a lot of people, yeah. especially with this going on. But I said what I said. He had what he had to say to defend his buddy and a guy that's working with him, and we're not going to continue doing this. All fair from Sean Payton. Again, I was most disappointed when he came back the next day and said that was the biggest mistake they, the entire organization made all offseason was him talking about that because he was being honest, and he was saying truth about Nathaniel Hackett and the job he did. Someone in our YouTube chat earlier was trying to say, well, Russell Wilson was terrible. He's the reason to blame what happened. They're both to blame. Russell Wilson was bad. They were both bad. It doesn't mean Nathaniel Hackett was good in his decision-making or how he led that team for one year. He was terrible, and Russell Wilson was bad. But this is Sean Payton coming in and saying, Russell Wilson can be saved. I know how good he can be. I know how to unlock that potential and get him back to old Russ. This guy... And the leadership of the organization was awful. There's no returning to that. So we're doing the exact opposite of everything he did a year ago. All fair. Did he have to say it? Was it right to say it about another coach? I don't know. I don't get into those things. But at least he was being truthful. And I do think Aaron Rodgers is being truthful with his own opinion of what he knows about Nathaniel Hackett. So I kind of like all of it, Hutton. I want it to keep going even though it is best if I'm Sean Payton's boss, I'm probably telling him, let's just end it at that. You, you said what you said. He's got his word. He got his clap back in, and now we can go about our business. So uh, you mentioned Rodgers. Of course, the $35 million pay cut uh, was among those topics that Peter King sat down with him over uh, this past weekend as part of uh, his, his column, his weekly column, Football Morning in America, um, where he – he even goes back to the darkness retreat where he, he still maintains that he went into that thinking he was retiring. Like he was, he was done, came out and, and he said, I, I wanted to see if green Bay, when I, when I came back out of whatever this was, uh, if they were going to really push to make things right. And if they really wanted me back, I would know it. And then the jets came calling and they came to his house and he, he told himself before they arrived, if they're coming here, I have to at least give them the opportunity to sell me on it. I have to take this as a serious option. And then from that meeting on, he was all in on Gang Green and out on Green Bay, and he knew where he was going to go. So when he came out seeing Green, he did, but he also didn't know necessarily if he was truly all in until that meeting took place where, look, it, he, he goes into detail with Peter King on the main differences between the organizations and he's just said hey uh the, the difference here is he's got a defensive-minded head coach which he believes gives him more input on the offense which makes sense yeah um and the relationship 
with Joe Douglas is far better than what was going on with Brian Kutenkist in Green Bay. Quote, to have some of the conversations I have with Joe Douglas, to be privy to things that I was never privy to, to have a defensive head coach, it puts a different framework on the team. The defense has a different confidence, I think, when they, and they practice with that. We, have, we had great defenses in Green Bay during our time, but it always felt like an offensive team or a West Coast offensive football team. Just a different mentality when you have a defensive head coach. I've enjoyed that. I enjoy coming to Robert with ideas or as maybe a, a consultant-like role. Hey, I've been to other places. I see this. I see that. And just him being kind of open. And we, he goes, maybe we disagree. I respect the hell out of him when it's like, hey, I hear what you're saying, but I'm going to do it this way, and here's why. I love his openness to critically think about the stuff I'm saying or another group of guys may say to him. That's a far different tone than what we've received from Aaron Rodgers the last three off-seasons in Wisconsin. It just really illustrates how seemingly miserable he was at the end in, in Green Bay. Yeah. I mean, even down to the look. The scraggly hair and how much older he looked at the end of, of his Packers tenure compared to now. Um, I, I don't ever, I've never seen Aaron Rodgers, a guy who doesn't get along with his teammates. And I never got that sense in Green Bay. I don't think that he let his problems with the front office and Brian Gutenkiss get in the way of his relationships with his teammates. He always seems to be well liked by his team and he likes them a lot. There seems to be a great rapport with Aaron Rodgers and his team, but. The change that we've seen with him with the Jets shows just how maybe awful it was in the end with the Packers. And he seems like a completely new guy. He seems about 10 years younger, very open to ideas, willing to work and collaborate with authority figures with the Jets. And everything went south so quickly with that decision to draft Jordan Love and just did not get any better to the point where he could never trust them again, never understood it, and it was just all about take, 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 take what I can from the Packers and continue to play at a high level. And he did take the I'll show you approach mm-hmm. and go out there and play and do my best, but it seems to be a real sinking up now in with the Jets to where it's a true team effort. And again. He, he, said, he said in this interview, he said, hey, I, I went to the team about the pay cut. He goes, I I thought it was important they knew how committed I was. And in my conversations with Joe, he made it very clear the vision for the football team. This year, compared to like 2005, the amount of transactions that happen now with guys getting cut and the amount of trades, way more than before. Big names move at the trade deadline now. I wanted to make sure that if somebody valuable became available, we'd be able to go get him. I'm very happy with the contract. I feel great about it. So not only is he helping out the team now, he's looking in October as well. Uh, Dalvin Cook had a, a visit over the weekend where they took him to practice. They let him observe the the open sessions uh, that were a part of, and, and the close, but this was wide open because the fans were there chanting his name as all of this is going on. And the reports are that both sides left uh, left it wide open for a chance to actually bring him on. But Chad, this is an example of what Rodgers is talking about. They've got a good run game as it is. They've got guys coming back in the mix. But they have a chance where, to his point that he made with Peter King, hey, guys are getting cut all the time, good players, uh, productive players throughout their career. We want the opportunity. I want the opportunity to add them to the team if it's going to help us win a Super Bowl. And that's what this comes down to. Yeah, I, I think it's, it's... And it's what he didn't do in Green Bay to help them. 
we've been very positive here because there's a lot of things to be positive about with Aaron Rodgers and the Jets. Let me throw a slight wet blanket on everything. This positivity is great until they start 0-2. Yeah. And, and we win. see how things in, in that market with those fans and with that team can really spiral quickly. If things don't go well, that that's one of those – I don't think Aaron Rodgers is going to fall to pieces if they get off to a slow start. He's been around – he is the author of the uh, the relax R E L A X before. Like he knows it's a long season, it's a grind, but it does feel important for this group with him to get off to a quick start yeah. this season and just stay healthy. That, yep. They ended the, well, the conversation by saying, "Hey, if I can string together a few seasons of good health, I don't want to put a cap on my future." But I feel good about this not just being a one year thing. He's thirty nine, and he's trying to go out on top in New York, not Green Bay. And he's motivated clearly by that option. Aim high. Get to 45 like Tom Brady. You can play until then. Come on, Aaron. You he's following it. the Brady method of, like, stretching and doing – he's cut out sodas and all kinds of does stuff Doesn't eat meat, too. Uh, yeah. Very. Bobby Carpenter does. He joins us Deep. next to detail his take on the Pac-12 not Big Deep. 12. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Hi, Mike with Hunter Withrow rolls on across the Outkick Network. Uh, a lot of a lot of things happening across the NFL and college football, gearing up for the season and gearing up for what's going to be another transition for conference realignment. Bobby Carpenter joins us, making some time for us this uh, afternoon. You can follow him on social at bcarp3. Check him out on SiriusXM, among other outlets. Bobby, appreciate you, man. Thanks for being flexible a bit, and uh, hope everything went well earlier and. What do you think? Are things going to end up okay for the Pac-12? There are reports that they're going to have a meeting tomorrow. They're going to be presented with a media rights deal. We've heard this before, but it sounds like the presidents and chancellors are actually optimistic to actually see something uh, formal from George Glavikov here. Well, I mean, they're going to see something formal. It'll be a presentation, but will it be what they want? Will it meet their expectations? And there's a couple of prongs to this. Number one, there's the financial aspect of it that everybody talks about. But the second piece is the visibility. Is it going to be possible to find Pac-12 games or Pac whatever number they end up being next year to find those easily? Will they be readily available or will they be reserved to mostly streaming? You know, I know the ACC just did a deal with the CW and that's fine. And that's, you know, a nationwide network. It's not really known for sports more for Dawson's Creek and maybe some Buffy the Vampire Slayer uh, syndication or whatever is going on there. But there's an opportunity there to at least be on a national network. But this was supposed to be the preeminent conference west of the Rocky Mountains. And with Colorado making the announcement that they're returning now to the Big 12, you have to wonder, over the next couple weeks, if this media package isn't what people hope it will be, and the way the Big 12 agreement is set up, does the Big 12 try to start poaching the Arizona schools? If I'm Utah, I've got an eye firmly on the Big 12 
knowing the fact that BYU is already there. You would have a dance partner in state. And honestly, that might be the best rivalry the Big 12 has should Utah join. Right now you're looking at maybe Cincinnati and West Virginia. Like As far as football goes, there's no long established rivalry. So Brett Yormark, I think, has this set up pretty well for the Big 12 to kind of pick over the carcass of what's left in the Pac-12 should this media rights deal not be all that fruitful. And frankly, gentlemen, like, how optimistic are you that this is going to be something that everybody really enjoys? Oh, I, I'm be. not. I'm not optimistic, and and in fact, some of it just disgusts me. And we all know that it's about money and television, media rights, all those things. But I hate Bobby when things are done that just make zero sense. Right? So Arizona, Arizona State, Utah. If they join the Big Twelve tomorrow, that's fine. I can see that. Right? I can see those rivalries. I can see that geographically. It's not a big stretch to see that happening. When I hear about the ACC vetting West Virginia, I think, great. West Virginia already feels like an ACC school, no problem. When I hear that the ACC is vetting Oregon and Washington, I want to vomit just hearing that. This makes no sense for those schools. It makes no sense for those student athletes that play in those schools. All it is is TV money at that point. They're not factoring anything in because it is a net negative in every other column but brand identity and the possibility for more television money. What's your reaction when you hear that story? Well, you know, when I heard about the fact that they were potentially looking at the ACC, when you're talking about the Pacific Northwest, I mean, that, that is, you know, it's one thing, the Big Big Ten adding Utah, UCLA, UCLA and USC, you have some outposts there a little bit further west. I mean, but the ACC is largely reserved to the coast. It's the Atlantic Coast Conference. I mean, that's what you have right there. And so you're talking about flying from – Seattle to Miami to play games, Seattle to Boston. I mean, that that's that is an absolute haul. But like you said, I mean, it's the monetary element of it. And we've been pushing this gentleman for the last 25 years. And hey, more money for this, more opportunity here. They were to get away from the bowl system, while the BCS will incorporate them a little bit. And all of a sudden we get to a four-team playoff. Now we're gonna get this 12 team and conferences are realigning. People are putting themselves in the most advantageous positions because all we look about look at is football you start talking about other sports does it make sense no really what probably should have happened is they should have probably peeled off football from really everything else in the athletic departments and had just football conferences and those guys can play wherever they want because the travels once a week in the toss aren't outweighed by the benefits because you have a large percentage of dollars that are ultimately coming in Whereas you start talking about other sports that play multiple times a week that are non-revenue generating for those student athletes, I mean, it's going to be ridiculous. And we start talking about, you know, fan support and everything else. It just doesn't really make any sense. But the reason why, you know, if you're Oregon, if you're Washington, from what I guess has been rumored, I was hearing today, you know, part of the USC and UCLA coming in is the fact that, you know, they didn't want any competition for the Southern California market, the West Coast recruiting market. They didn't want those schools in there. And so if you're Oregon and Washington, those are two preeminent brands. I mean, you start thinking about this. Oregon has played for national championships in the last decade and change. You know, Washington, they've been in that over the last 25, 30 years. They've been a dominant program. They're in, you know, especially Washington's in Seattle. Like there's a there's support at those schools. They sell out their stadiums. And so they're looking around saying, what the heck are we supposed to do now? I, they don't have a good viable option. It's really unfortunate for them just based upon the geography of our country and where population bases are, but there's really no one else out there for them to play who gives a crap about football outside of Utah. 
And the, the media, from the media rights perspective, perspective, the money that they would receive from the ACC as it, as it is now isn't worth that effort that Chad's mentioning with the travel and everything. But it would be for the Big Ten based on their grant of rights that they have, upwards of, what, $100 million per school per year. That makes sense uh, monetarily. That would drive that. And I, I'm curious, uh, what would drive the Pac-12 in, in surviving? It, 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 they've got to keep the big brands in the mix. But if I'm on the other side of whatever is going to be presented as this media rights deal tomorrow uh, from Klyavikov, I'm also thinking, okay, what are you doing now that Colorado left? What are you doing if Arizona is actually going to the Big 12? What are you going to do? What, what will we have if Oregon and Washington are not there uh, a year from now? What, what would, I mean, reports are that they're, they're, they've received um, applications for membership from Colorado State, San Diego State, UNLV, Tulane, Memphis, Boise, and others. But I'm thinking a month ago, San Diego State was limping back to the Mountain West, and now all of a sudden they're applying again. What, why were they not good then, and all of a sudden it's a sales pitch now for someone to air those football games? Well, I, I don't know if it's a huge sales pitch, but they're probably looking at the same uncertainty they were looking before, uh, given the fact that I think they would have a buyout of their Mountain West. I mean, there was going to be a mess with all of that. Yeah. And if you're not getting a massive windfall of cash, gentlemen, does it really make sense you know, for these schools? If I'm going to leave the Mountain West, I go to the Pac-12, which, let's be honest, it may be on the same playing field as the Mountain West within a year or two. And so you have this massive buyout. You're not getting any more dollars coming in. Is it really worth it? I mean, Tulane has some value, I think. I think Boise has a lot of value, mm -hmm. potentially, uh, with what they could bring to the table there. You know, do you go and try to – there's rumors of, you know, SMU, but if you're SMU, do you really want to try and wait for that and get in something there where you know, a lot of travel's going on and it's not really beneficial to you? So I, if, unless you're a school like Colorado State or maybe a San Diego State, if they can get that buyout worked out, I don't know how much fiscal sense – it makes, I mean, like you said, you talked about Tulane, you know, Boise, like some of those schools, okay. Colorado State, yeah, for them, absolutely. But I, I don't know what this media rights package, let's say it's $25 million a year. Like, is it worth doing that for $25 million or $20 million when you start looking at what the Big 12 is getting, where it's, you know, around 40 and the ACC, which is coming in somewhere around that? Like, you're paling in comparison and the costs are going to be more. And what's the interest like going to be in your program? So I don't, I don't know if those make fiscal sense at all. Your, your football background, of course, Bobby Carpenter with us on Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow. Uh, grew up in a football family. Your dad's a coach. Um, when you see the story in Minnesota about former players pointing to a uh, culture that was just not good uh, with P.J. Fleck because of exercise discipline. And I, I said last week, where we are as, as far as a coaching aspect now across college basketball and college football specifically, it's never been more difficult outside of just the recruitment of your own locker room because of NIL and transfer portal. Now you can't even discipline based on something uh, and, you know, running, running the, the bleachers just is, is apparently frowned upon now. Uh, if you're PJ Fleck, you can't do anything. It's we've gotten ourselves in, into a real rough situation and believe me, it, you know, when you talk about hazing and there's some things that happen, you know, as far as, you know, there are physical abuse and that are humiliating in nature, like on an extreme level. I'm not a proponent of any of that. 
But we have also softened these players so much that I'm not here to tell you that, like, take a tough pill and, you know, old guys sitting on the lawn. But at some point, like, playing a sport like football, a team-building combative sport, like, you're going to have to make sacrifices to your own ego. You're going to have to make sacrifices physically, mentally, psychologically. It's tough. And so I, I know P.J. Flack, he G-8 at Ohio State. I think he does a good job. And I hear some of the stuff that, well, you know, it's not like he wasn't as accommodating. Like, he wasn't nice. He didn't feel good all the time. Hey, you know what? Life doesn't feel good. Like, sports at their genesis are supposed to teach you how to handle adversity, how to be tough. And football is one of the best at that that you're going to find. And unfortunately now, I don't know where you ultimately go with some of these with some of these things. Like, I don't know if there's a good answer for how to solve these problems because apparently everybody loves the idea of being tough. Everybody loves to watch Rocky and watch all these movies. Like, man, look at the great men and women that we're able to create when we're able to sacrifice and go through difficult situations. The only way to get tough is to do tough things. And tough things don't feel good. And I, I'm a huge proponent. I love David Goggins. I've read all his stuff. I watch as much of his as I can because his story is remarkable. And to me, it's like the quintessential American dream. And one of his things is, and I, I go speak, and I tell anybody they'll listen to this, you got to do something that sucks every day. Do something that you hate every day, that you are dreading every single day to callous your mind to get used to doing difficult things. And if you're not willing to do that, man, you're not taking responsibility for your life and don't blame anybody else for how your existence turns out, whether that's athletically, whether that's in your job, whether that's in academics, because you're not willing to sacrifice and do what it takes. And so you know, I know some of the stuff in Northwestern, some of the accusations are extreme. And I get that if things actually happen the way that they're described, yeah, you're pushing the envelope too far. But there is a point where at some level, if we're just going to sit here and let people lay in hammocks all day, you're turning into Kobe beef. All right. We have no gristle, no toughness. There is nothing that is being created. And it's very disheartening. And I told my wife, I still yell at our kids. And she says, I'm too hard on them. I'm like, good. Because I don't want the first time they get yelled at to me by a coach. All right. And then they're going to cry. and They're not going to know how to handle it. So we're going to have some degree of toughness and callous that's going to happen. Amen. Bobby well Carpenter, marbling. Marbling with the meat is always important. It's I, tough I, when you I can't row your reference. boat. You can't row your boat at Minnesota because it's, it's Well, the fact they had to have a, a huge internal meeting about exercise as punishment with the entire athletic department, I'm thinking that's, middle, that's middle school basketball. You had exercise punishment. It's crazy. Yeah. We had a kind of an internal debate here at OutKick about this. Is Jim Harbaugh on the right side of the media, and is he getting a pass in all of this, with this negotiated four-game suspension that includes games against East Carolina, UNLV, Bowling Green, and Rutgers to start the season? You know, here's the thing. I'll say this. Like, and everybody looks at, you know, what has happened in the past. And, uh, you know, Coach Trestle basically got fired at Ohio State for similar things, you know, nonsense. When we look at it now with where college sports are, okay, you got suspended four games. What do you want to do, suspend the guy the whole season? For what I really view as kind of nonsense, he basically stiff-armed the NCAA, said he didn't remember. Part of his part of his agreement is he still what didn't have to admit that he knowingly did anything wrong. Like, and you know what? That may have gave him an extra two games. Now, you know what? Their schedule, you can't control that. I, I'm like, what do you want to do? Suspend him for the Ohio State game at the end of the year? I mean, yeah, does that seem more just because the game matters more? You know, people maybe in the media are, are taking it easy on them, maybe a little bit. I don't know, because I guess where we're at right now with everything that's going on, you know, the the 
the wheels have moved so much in the last five or six years. People look at this stuff now. It's like the NCAA, they're, they're paper dragons, so nobody wants to listen to them. But at the same point in time, I, I can't sit there and say, you should suspend a guy more because these are games they should seemingly win. Like that, yeah. that to me isn't just, it isn't right. If it's a four-game suspension that this warrants, hey, maybe they're playing you know, Notre Dame and Clemson and whoever started the season. The reality is the four games they have this year aren't very tough. And so I'm not going to sit here and say they should suspend him more simply due to the fact that these are winnable games. Bobby Carpenter always brings it with us. Uh, thank you uh, for making time for us today, Bobby. And uh, next time you're in Nashville, be sure to give us a shout. We saw the the post. Well, I enjoyed it. I'm glad I went to George Strait on Friday and not on Saturday because, gentlemen, yeah. that, that storm looked terrible. I'll brutal. take the sweat box over the rain. Yeah, and you were able to fly out in your private jet right after the concert, too. Bobby Carpenter. College football analyst. Bobby only plans trips with good weather for That's that right. private jet. He, I mean, it's not just private jet. It's zero turbulence <laughs> on the private jet. So only, only good weather for Bobby. There's, a, there's gristle on that flight, though, Chad. Get it right. Marbling. Yeah. Marbling no in the ve- meat No is vegans important. allowed. That's right. Thank you, Bobby. Always appreciate you. At BCARP3, one of the best. Uh, Sirius XM Channel 84 is where you can find him there. Uh, Chad, coming up, more NFL headlines. Uh, details on some camp injuries today and much more. It's all straight ahead on Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow, Monday edition on the Outkick Network. Which I've been a fast-paced Monday, right? Plenty very of, fast. Uh, very fast. Plenty of discussion across the NFL and college football to go along with all the anticipation for what is a hurry up and wait type feel for me. Hot Mike with Hunt and Withrow rolls on across the Outkick Network. You know, the, we, the, the anticipation of camps beginning across the NFL. Um, the first padded practices are starting up, right? There's all hype, hype and you're still selling the hype of the offseason. Then you have the first preseason and then it's like, okay, let's just get to September. Get to the first week of the regular season, please. And we have that extra week in between preseason and week one now, too. We've It'll be a hurry-up-and-wait feeling. We've entered the point of the football offseason where what we do is we complain about the heat, <laughs> right? <clears throat> There's always that lag yeah. time of, like, You're man, right. camps are starting. It's so hot. We want fall weather to get here. And even if it's scorching hot that first week of the season, college or pro, it's just a little bit of freshness in the air. That's what we – we're starved for that, huh? Yeah. We're starved for it. It's coming and soon. And in the meantime, the biggest headlines are in, in regards to injuries or holdouts, right? Jonathan Taylor, uh, he's on PUP with Indianapolis with the Colts. Colts are, you know, reportedly threatening to put him on non-football injury, which would allow them to take away a portion of his his uh, money that he's owed this year, which is a four million uh, for the forty-first overall pick from twenty twenty. He, of course, wants the contract extension. Ursay's telling him on the on the bus at camp. Uh, no, we're not going to do that and uh, deal with it like everyone else is having to deal with it. Again, my word's not his. You can imagine it didn't go well because he requested a trade. That's also been denied. And here we are. Now, the Monday following the weekend, Zach Moss, the backup to Jonathan Taylor, breaks his arm in the, well, I'm presuming it was their first padded practice uh, because there's an acclimation period now to camp. And many of the camps that opened on the 25th, today's the first padded practice. Breaks his arm. He's out, he's out at least the first four to six weeks of the regular season, according to reports. And you're left a, a bit scrambling if Taylor is, in fact, just going to 
you know, dig in here. Chances are, though, they work something out and he's back. But if they do put him on the non-football injury list, he's denying it, saying back's not an issue. The back issue that has been reported would have happened outside of the team facility during the offseason in Arizona, but while he was training for the Colts on his own. And the PUP, the, the physically unable to perform, that list that he's on now stems from an ankle injury that he suffered during a game that he had off-season surgery for. Therein lies the gray area on how they combat this and how Chris Ballard wants to come down on this. Is he going to play hardball? Is he going to have to do whatever Ursay wants to do? I'm fascinated by the next step here because the latest detail from Jonathan Taylor is, hey, my back's not an issue. I'm recovering from ankle surgery. And here we are. Well, if he, I mean, I don't know if it's recorded or not or what he said or didn't say, but I think it's going to be hard for them to say non-football injury list if the ankle is also a legitimate issue that he's complained about and That's talked started, about. But I, I said last so week, even if the back feel... is also an issue and he said that, which I think he was saying that as a shot at them, yeah. joking about my back is hurting from carrying you guys and you're not doing anything about it. So then they took that and said, "Oh, you want to? You got jokes? Well, we got one too. You're you're going to be on the NF the non-football injury list." But even if they try to argue that, I just don't see how they can pull it off if he's got a legitimate ankle injury he suffered playing for the Colts that is not completely healed from the surgery. Yeah, this off season. So I, I'm not sure how they're going to balance that. Yeah, and, and again, that's just poking the poking the bear is what 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 that is. And that's and Ursay's doing that by the way by tweeting what he's doing and. Therein lies the detail of the leverage. Taylor doesn't have much of it. Ursay, in a direct text back and forth with Albert Breer, saying, no, we're, we're not trading him. We're not trading him now and not in October. Now, some of the responses here were funny. We're not now and not in October. Well, that leaves open September and August at the yeah. time. August and September. Maybe they're trading him in one of those months where it's not ne necessarily a lie that they're not trading him now in July or in October. Yeah, Jim Irsay comes back and says, yeah, I said that now. You know, this is the last day of today. July. That's today. August, we, we leave months open where it could possibly happen. I never lied to you. I just said not now and not in October. Could have been any other month of the year. How about this for a quote in this month of the year? Dan Lanning, Oregon head coach, when asked about Colorado leaving the Pac-12, quote, not a big reaction. I'm trying to remember what they won to ever affect this conference. Well. They play this year, by the way. Oregon by, and Colorado. By moving conferences, they may have affected this conference. Yeah. You know, that would be the, the response. Landing, by the way, getting a big contract extension. One of the first big responses raise. on Twitter was, so far they have won realignment. <laughs> <laughs> they've won a TV. Yeah, they've won the right to be on TV moving forward. Yes. They will receive a check as a member, as a member in good standing of the Big 12 conference. Which you'll find out tomorrow, Dan, just what your check will look like yeah. as a member in good standing of the Pac-12 conference. Uh, that will be a fun game, though, this year now. We got a little – I don't know what Dion's going to come back with. He can't really say it. anything. but And he's also not wrong. I don't know that Colorado <laughs> won to any big extent while in the Pac-12. Uh, the other notable injury today, Tim Patrick, the what third receiver, I believe, in Denver, uh, tore his Achilles. So he's done. If that report is accurate, that's it, the belief that Schefter's – putting out from, from Broncos camp, definitely season ending for him. Um, and that's the, the things you want to avoid this time of year, just the season enders to the critical players. And he was a role player, but was coming back with Sean Payton 
and presumed a better Russell Wilson. We're also going to know the fate of uh, Alvin Kamara sooner rather than later because he said in a recent interview about, you know, how are things going to play out with the league and league discipline because he settled um, and he pleaded no contest to the events that took place in February, January of 2022 out in Vegas at the Pro Bowl with the assault uh, that, that took place. Uh, was it the elevator where this all went down? There's video evidence of it, even though he's, he's pleaded no contest and was allowed to play in the Pro Bowl, even though the league found out about all this and his warrant prior to kickoff. Uh, point being, he said, hey, I'll know by August 2nd or 3rd. Presuming, and we're reading between the lines here, that he's meeting with Goodell uh, either today or tomorrow to get some type of, maybe it's not closure, but at least a path towards whatever they're thinking about and how the Saints need to you know, plan without him. They've done that through free agency. Uh, the question is, is he going to be available for week one? He was last year, but now the legal process has played out. So we'll see. That could be a headline later this evening or tomorrow when the meeting takes place. And uh, Chad, the injuries, certainly detrimental. Extremely stupid, though, to throw a punch at a guy while wearing a helmet at practice, right? And this is something you have harped on for years, having covered many training camps, always tests. asking the question, why, oh, why do guys continue to throw punches at helmets? Yeah, and Kelsey, this past weekend is you can tell he's frustrated because guys on defense are stripping the ball. They're going at trying to punch the football out. Uh, and what is an open practice where a fan, uh, Nicholas Roche, thank you for the video. Um, they throw a touchdown pass to Kelsey. He clearly comes down with it. And there's a second or third string defensive back that comes over the top trying to punch the football out. And I think he's just frustrated with guys going at the hands. But then he throws a hand at the guy with a helmet on. And he, and he admitted, like, I've got to be a better leader. I've got to think more in, in the moment, you know. Got to be better in the locker room in that moment. Set the example. Uh, but just better, better leader, uh, plain and simple, is, is Kelsey's response. But to break a hand, potentially, while throwing it at a helmet is the, one of the dumbest things you can do at this time of year or any time as an NFL player and what's coming to you versus what you mean to the roster. I understand the frustration. Yeah. You know, it's some guy... I don't know yeah, who that was, but may not make the roster. Yeah. It's out there in, a, in an open practice for fans. Teams best, but yeah, you're yeah, right. Yeah, now look, that guy's doing the best he can do, and he's trying to show his and coach that he's punch punching it. down at the yeah. ball to yeah. try to hold on to it, and he's not doing anything that wrong, but I can understand the frustration and the heat. If you're Travis yes. Kelsey, you are a superstar player. You've accomplished all this stuff throughout your career, and you got some guy punching down at the ball after you catch a touchdown pass in a practice that no one's going to remember when the Chiefs are hopefully back in another Super Bowl this year, and you act out on the guy. It's still just so dumb. And it's dumb for the reason you said. You can't risk hurting yourself if you're Travis Kelsey on something that's stupid. And that tweet from Kelsey was the appropriate. Jim Irsay claims inappropriate to renegotiate for running backs alone. That tweet was the appropriate was well response done. saying, yeah, just got to be better. And no injury. Plain and simple. No harm, no foul. Right. Uh, I'm although, sure he went and said something to the guy. And the guy said, you're Travis Kelsey. Don't worry about it. It's fine. We're cool. Yeah. Don't, don't give me cut. Well, there's a time and place you know, for that. Like, that was, don't. That was his response. Please don't have me cut, sir. Uh, two feet down, touchdown. Stop trying to punch the ball out at that point. Yeah. The middle of the field is where that takes place. Well, there's great stuff in the quarterback series where Mahomes is getting into it with Max Crosby. And the issue is over a punch. 
that's like on his arm as he's passing by yeah. after he throws it. And that's what starts to set Mahomes off. That's where they ended up uh, two plays later getting each other's face okay. on it. Yeah. But he's saying, he's like, man, don't do that. He's like, I put up with a lot of you-know-what. And you guys, I know you have a job to do, but don't just hit me on the arm because you're next to me. He's like, I didn't, I didn't punch you. You can kind of hear him barely in the things. I didn't, I didn't punch you. He's like, don't, don't punch me on the arm. <laughs> you could tell it was starting to set him off just a little. Say, like, I know you're trying to t- you know, hit me every time. Hold on a little longer. I understand the game. I know what your job is to do. I, give you, I cut you guys a lot of slack on what you're doing. Mahomes was great, though, because throughout he says, I just pay the guys compliments. Because if I'm nice enough to them, over and over, I say, hey, great rush, good job. I respect those guys, their job, what they do. It's a tough physical game. He said, I get let up on more if I'm nicer to them. And it showed examples of guys like holding them up on the sideline and like patting them on the helmet. And he's like, if I can sustain my season and career a little bit better just by psychologically being nicer to those guys, because whether they know it or not, they may choose not to finish me into the ground on one, you know, and let up a little bit or not throw me into the side. Said those things matter, he thinks. I'd I'd be curious to know if it really does or not. I don't think but I understand the thinking. There he's at on different he's on a different plane though of protection. Well guys don't want to get penalized also. It's not just because he's nice. Yeah. Yeah, Penalized, fine, all that. Yeah. I mean it's But I do think with certain guys it probably does make a difference that this guy's not out here talking trash to me or complaining constantly about a hit. Yeah. He's saying good hit to me, even if he said something to the ref. And maybe I'm not going to sling him to the ground when I get a chance. Not that you're not going to sack him. But, but you, you know when you have the opportunity for the little extra hit, the extra drive into the ground, something you could get away with. Well, you may be able to do that, though, with like Clayton Toon, who's apparently battling for the starting job at quarterback in Arizona. One of the w- worst rosters out there is uh, they're considering Clayton Toon as the starting quarterback. That's because, of course, Kyler Murray is – has been out since December of last year uh, due to uh, the torn ACL. He met with the media for the first time since December 7th, which was a week prior to that injury, and tried to lay out the timetable or lack thereof at his return. Yeah, I I wouldn't want to go out there and hurt the team or hurt myself. Um, You know, the advice that I've gotten from a lot of people around me, you know, uh, is obviously to to go when you're ready. You know, don't listen to outside noise. don't feel pressured to come back because of this situation or that situation. Um, you know, whenever you're ready, you'll know you're ready. And uh, I, I think that's what, obviously, you know, like I said, I haven't dealt with this, but when that time comes, I feel like I'll know. And this is a new offense, Chad, that's more wordy. Uh, they're trying to get rid of, like, the wristband stuff in the offense, but it's a, it's no longer just like a one- or two-word call-in-the-play offense. And Murray's stressing also in his media availability. He's trying to get the mental reps behind the scene. You can tell the jokes within the jokes there of, you know, four hours a week. Is it, you know, what is it that uh, Arizona is asking for? How many hours of Call of Duty? Yeah, right. When you say mental reps, is it your latest game against the 14-year-old across the country in (laughs) Call of Duty? Does that sharpen the mind also? Yeah. So seven and a half months ago, uh, he he says we're hell, you know, with uh, the rehab and – he didn't rule out week one. He's not going to be ready week one. They're not, they're not there yet. And it doesn't matter with or without him. Chad, they're not there in the win-loss total either. They suck. They seem to be going for a very high pick. Uh, you know what doesn't suck? 
Major League Baseball trade deadline tomorrow will end right as our show ends. If you're a Matt so with a no trade clause and you ask to be traded, Scherzer proves you can be traded. Well, two teams so far that have really gone for it, the Angels and the Rangers, both yeah. in the AL West, which has been crazy to see. Back at it tomorrow. Hot by with Hunt and Withrow across the Outkick Network. Join us at 3 o'clock Eastern.